welcome to Missionary Mindset. This is the podcast where we do a deep dive on all things missions in East Asia. This week, we're joined by Uva Maurer. Uva is in charge of Taiwan Sunshine, which is a special needs program in Taiwan. This week, we'll be talking to Uva about the time that he walked around Taiwan. My name is Uva, and uh, I actually was born and grew up in Taiwan. My parents were missionaries from Germany to Taiwan. So my older sister was born in Puri, and then my younger brother and I were born in a small town called Hue which is in Yunlin County, just a little bit north of Jiayi. When I was three, we moved to Taizong, and then I went to Chinese elementary school, uh, Chinese preschool, and then my parents decided to put me into an American school, Morrison, instead of having me go to boarding school in Japan. Um, <laughs> Tokyo was the only German school in all of Asia at that time, and so I had to learn um, English when I went to Morrison, and then actually we stayed there until I graduated from high school. Went to the States, went to Germany, university, dropped out a few times, kind of just floated for a bit and then ended up in China in 96. Worked there for about 10 years, met my wife. And then we moved back to Taiwan in 2006. I worked at Morrison for a few years. Um, we have three kids. Our oldest is 20, he's in the States now, university. Um, our second is 18, and she is at the Taitong Special Education School. And then our youngest is 16, and she goes to school at Morrison Taipei here in, in, in Linko. My wife and I now work with an organization called Taiwan Sunshine, and our goal is to bring hope and joy to families that have kids with special needs in Taiwan and to connect them to healthy and growing churches. And so a lot of the events, a lot of the things we do is focused on getting to know families that have kids with special needs. And then the harder part is connecting them to healthy churches where they can really be, be um, connected, be taken care of, be welcomed. Yeah, be able to really grow and, and really have a sense of belonging and a sense of hope for the future. Do you mind giving like, I know... Me and you have talked already, and eventually yeah. you will come on and talk about specifically about Taiwan Sunshine. Okay. Um, do you mind giving me like a brief history or like synopsis about Taiwan? Of Taiwan Sunshine. Yeah. Okay, I'll go. I'll go way back, and you can edit edit as much as you want. <laughs> and so the story actually starts 1985 or 1986. Okay. And so at that time, there was an Australian doctor in Taichung. Um, Dr. Nichols and his wife. And so um, a lot of us missionary kids from a while ago in the you know 60s, 70s, and 80s, he was kind of our main pediatrician. Our parents would always go to him, but he and his wife also started a home, an orphanage for kids that had special needs. And at that time, it was still pretty, pretty rough here in Taiwan. You know, he would tell stories about going into homes and actually taking kids out of cages that were locked up in cages because the parents didn't really know what to do with them. And then they had this home, a lot of kids with cerebral palsy or multiple sclerosis and just all sorts of different disabilities. Morrison at that time had a, a pool that was a little bit more conducive to, to younger kids and kids who can't swim so well. And so every summer, about once a week, the home would bring the kids over in vans. And then for some of those summers, I would help coordinate just lining up volunteers and swimming with them from like 10 to 1130 or so every, every time that they came. And so I had absolutely no idea that that was really kind of the start 
and really this desire in my heart to do something more with kids and, and adults that have special needs kind of carried through to college. I did some Special Olympic stuff, kind of forgot about it. It was always kind of a cool thing to do. It was a fun thing to do, rewarding thing to do for me, but never really thought that much about it. And then 2003, our second daughter was born. Her name is Matea. And uh, we were living in China at the time. I was doing some work there. 2004, she was diagnosed with a very rare genetic deletion, cat's cry syndrome or 5P minus. And so then for our own family, that kind of started the whole journey of not only every once in a while being involved in people that have special needs, but actually raising a child with, with, with special needs as well. And so then that was one of the main reasons, probably the main reason that we left China um, was because of the medical and therapeutic needs that she had. And so um, Taipei was in, in a much better, had much better resources for us. And uh, so that's when we came back to, to Taiwan. And, and for us, really, the, the question in all of that was always, you know, we asked God, not so much, why did you do this? Why did you give us a child with special needs? But for what purpose? And so in Chinese, you know, instead of saying, Wei shou ma, the question is, Wei le samo. So for what purpose did you, what, for what purpose do we have Matea? And why, why does she have special needs? And so when we were living in Taipei, we just, we weren't really sure. We, we really did not want to move to Taipei or Taiwan because we thought we would stay on the other side indefinitely. And then Matea went to special ed preschool in right near the, the CKS Memorial or, 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 or I think now it's called something else. I think freedom, freedom park, yeah, freedom square. Like that. <laughs> and uh, so she went to, she went to school right there and just through a few, a few events there, we, we, you know, we had a birthday party for her and all of the, you know, invited all the kids in her kindergarten class. And the teacher said, Oh, can all the other kids come too?" And the other kindergarten class, we said, of course they can come. And so we just did a very, very basic party, but all the kids came and their parents came and their teachers came and they were videotaping this very basic, you know, birthday party for her. And, and, and we asked them, I was like, why is this such a big deal? And the parents said to us, they said, our kids have never been invited to a birthday party before because it's just too awkward for us to show up at someone's house or, or we don't want to go because we have no idea what our kids are going to do. And it could just be really, really embarrassing. And so we kind of thought about that. And then a little bit later, there was a sports day, you know, typical Taiwanese elementary school sports day. And we, you know, Mateo was there too. And, and, they did a, a little relay and a little race and I went back to the classrooms and I went up and talked to the principal and just asked her, I said, look, if you can call all of your friends, you know, all the other special ed departments in this area, we'll do a sports day that's geared just towards kids with special needs. I said, we'll call it, I'm a hero games. And so that was in 2009. And then a little bit later, we registered a, a nonprofit association here in Taiwan. and then. Um, for us, then, that was kind of the, the start to the answer of the question, for what purpose? And so we've just, from 2009, I worked at Morris until 2011, but then from 2011 on, we've just focused on working with Taiwan Sunshine and uh, just trying to get to know as many families that have kids with special needs in Taiwan as possible. So we do a lot of sports events, you know, the hero games, we do summer camps, we do other kinds of sports outreaches, we do school parties. We do family seminars, um, retreats, just whatever we can to get to know parents of kids that have special needs. That's awesome. So, and then 2015, we moved to Taitong, 
just because we felt like that was an area that wasn't didn't have as many resources available as some of the other parts of Taiwan. So we partnered with an organization there and are working in Taidong for some of our more ongoing projects, but still working and doing stuff all over Taiwan, especially when it comes to hero games. And we're actually hoping to expand into a few more cities with some of our family community support centers. Yeah. Hardest part is connecting them to local churches. So that's the piece that we're still trying to figure out how to do that. I know the U.S. offers so much with like special needs. Yeah, yeah. it's actually and, just recently in the last few years, there's been a real, that's been something brand new, uh, not brand new, that's been something that's become more visible, like in the last 10 years or so in the U.S. It's, it's amazing what's happening there. It's really, really cool. Because so many people that listen to the show are either missionaries or supporters mm-hmm. from the U.S. or in Canada. Yeah. How would you compare like the the ideas of special needs within those cultures compared to like the ideas of special needs within, I guess, not just Taiwan, but like the Asian community within East Southeast mm-hmm. Asia? Yeah, it's it, it's always it's always hard to generalize on some of these yeah. things because so much of our view and our response is shaped by whether or not we personally know someone with special needs. And so, so, so it's, it's, hard, it's hard to make a generalization, but I, I do think here, and uh, you know, just two days ago, we had a dad's dinner where, where I get together with about five, six, seven other dads that have kids with special needs. And, and it, it's still very much a, it, it can be a little bit embarrassing. It can be a little bit more of a hidden, hidden thing here. Taiwan isn't quite as accessible as say the U.S. as far as buildings goes, as far as even churches goes, uh, stores, sidewalks. Um, but Taiwan is making, and some of the larger cities, you know, that's really getting much, much better. But I think overall, Taiwan's made some really good strides forward, but there's still a long way to go. And I think it comes from uh, a lot of the kids and families that have special needs being isolated and that there isn't like a daily exposure to these families. And I think that's what shapes responses as yeah. well, besides culture, you know, yeah. besides culture. And, and we, have, we have talked to moms and, and, and not for all, but for many, you know, there's still a shame-based culture and you know, what's wrong with you that you would have a child with special needs. And, and I mean, it's just, nothing's changed since John chapter nine. You know, where, where, where the disciples say, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he's born blind. And I think that's maybe more of a, a human, a yeah. human response, because I think even in Western cultures, we, we don't say it because it's not right to say it, but we kind of think it. And now a word from our sponsor. Taiwan Missionary Fellowship is a movement of missionaries working together to reach Taiwan for the gospel through a network of mission organizations, church leaders, national gatherings, training events, and resources. For more information, go to tmf.org.tw. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the walk. So you walked around oh, yeah. the island. Yeah, yes. So, so what kind of what inspired you to do that? Because that's kind uh-huh. of a crazy thing to do. <laughs> okay, so in January and February of 2021 so this this current calendar year yeah i walked around most of taiwan there are a few kilometers a few stretches that i didn't walk um, because i didn't want to walk them in the winter 
or I just thought there was no safe way that I could actually get across some of these bridges or, or, or across some of these elevated roads across a yeah. river or whatever <laughs> it is. And so I was actually short. I walked 743 kilometers. And uh, on the inner route, I was short probably about 60 or so. So there are some stretches that I, I did not I did not walk. And then I didn't walk Suao to Hualien. I took a train from Suao to Hualien just because I didn't know how safe the Suao, you know, the Suhao road would be, especially in the winter, especially if it rains and and all of that. Yeah. Um, that but about a year ago, yeah, about a year ago, I, I started talking with my wife and just saying that I really need to do something different, <laughs> kind of need to take a break. And uh, we both agreed that it would not be wise if a break would mean I sit around at home, you know, for a month or two. And it would be much wiser for everybody and much better for all of us <laughs> if I actually did something active during my break. And I just for years, I've seen these people, you know, walking around Taiwan with their sign. It says Huan Tawa and, uh, you know, um, on their backs, little flags. And I thought, oh, that would be so cool to do. And, and when I was in middle school, I read a book called The Walk Across America. And it was just some guy who just picked up and his stuff and walked across America. It took him like, I don't remember, three years or something. And so, so I've always thought there was something kind of cool and adventurous about just going on a long walk. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll do that. I'll just start January 8th or 9th, I don't remember. And, uh, but, but what I wanted to do then, you know, instead of just walking around, most people either go Highway 1 and then Highway 9 all the way around, or they actually go the coastal roads all the way around. And uh, I thought, oh, that's going to be pretty boring to do that. And so I, I decided, I, you know, I picked out 21 of the special ed schools in Taiwan. There's a total of 29. And so I said, okay, I'll just kind of use those as my my destinations, my short-term destinations. And so I started in Taitong at a school called Baosang Elementary School where Matea went to fifth and sixth grade. Then we still do a, a regular sports club there. And so that was kind of my send off. And then, yeah, then I just walked to Taitong Special Ed School where Matea goes to school now. And then walked around the bottom to Pingdong Special Ed School over to Kaohsiung. Kaohsiung, I hit all four. Um, yeah. Tainan, you know, and then kind of just Jiayi, and then kind of just worked my way up and around to the different. I didn't get to all of them because yeah. some of them were just too far out of the way. But but yeah, Zhanghua, Nantou, Taichung, and then just kind of worked my way up. So, and it was really, it was really good because I needed to have some quiet and I needed to have you know, I didn't listen to, you know, I didn't listen to hardly any music. And I think I listened to a podcast or two the first couple of days. And then I was like, no, I don't want to have any of that. I just want to walk. And so it was a very, it was a very good time for me just to spend time with myself and with God. It was very, very tiring. <laughs> um, it was exhausting. I can only imagine. <laughs> I decided not to train. Um, I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you uh, one, if you, if you, what you did for entertainment and two, did you train uh, at all? <laughs> so my entertainment, I didn't really need entertainment. It yeah. was just, you know, I tried to talk with people, but you know, for long stretches, there's no one on the road or cars were whizzing by me, 
you know, way too fast and I had to get out of the way. But as far as training, I didn't, you know, I thought for weeks in advance, you should really train for this and I really should have trained for it. Um, but I kind of, I kind of try to, and maybe this is justifying it afterwards rather than actually being intentional, right? See what I'm doing here. No, I kind of tried to say, okay, well, how can this walk kind of parallel my being the dad of a child with special needs? And, uh, and, and just, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I can't say, oh, I, I you know, I'm representing everybody because, you know, they don't know. So it's, I, I'm not representing anybody. I just wanted to do it as an encouragement to other parents that have kids with special needs. And so our theme kind of what our theme was, was this phrase, one more mile. And so the idea of persevering, you know, and, and, and not giving up and just taking one more step and just walking one more mile. And so, um, you know, as I, as I was walking and in, in, in pain, um, I, I realized, you know, you should have trained. And then it's like, well, you know, actually a lot of times parents don't know they're going to get a child with special needs. There's no prep. There's no training. It's just this brutal shock that can come just either on the day that they're born or in our case, it was 10 months, you know, when, when Mateo was 10 months old. And it's just, it's just a harsh reality that kind of hits you. And, and, and I think for everyone, you know, there's a sense of, of, of grief and, and fear and uncertainty as to what, what's going to happen next. And so, um, yeah, so I didn't train. And um, I actually think that by not training, it, it kind of made the journey a bit more of a parallel to my, my walk. Um, <laughs> and that's maybe me justifying that I was too lazy to train. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so then, and kind of as, you know, as I was, as I was walking, like I thought, you know, this is really, there, there were days that were just really, really hard. And it's, it's almost like I had to decide the night before that the next morning I was going to get up and keep walking. Cause if I'd have waited until how I felt that next morning, I would have said, forget this, you know, and, and uh, um, like very specifically remember on the third, third or fourth day, you know, I just gone over, I headed south from Taidong. So I went, I went clockwise just because I didn't want to walk in the north. You know, we have a strong north wind on the east coast and I didn't want to walk into the wind. Yeah. Um, and also that allows me to, you know, I was able to see more, you know, being on the side of the road that I walked on yeah. if I go counterclockwise. Um, and so, um, yeah, it, it was, it was, I was, I just crossed over the, Highway nine, you know, I'd gone up to Shoka um, down on the South Cross Island and, and was walking down. It was a Sunday and it was just super, super busy. And as I got to the flat again, I really wanted to get to the sunset at the strait, you know, right at Feng, Feng uh, not Feng Gang. Um, anyway, the town, the town that was right there, I'd actually hurt myself coming down and I could barely walk. And so I just lay there and thought, man, you've got to quit. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to go one more day. And I got to Feng Gang and the same thing happened. I just laid there and I thought, man, it's time to quit. And I thought, no, I can't do that. I said, I'm going to go around this island, even if I have to, you know, get crutches and, and, and do it in a wheelchair. I'm just going to ask for help to get around this island. Because by this time I was so, like, I so much wanted this to be like the experience of, of what daily life can be like. Of course, it's different for every family, um, but just, just what daily life is like. And, and I thought, you know, this is really, um, you know, the days are long and lonely, 
it's hard and it hurts. And then tomorrow you just do it. You just you start over and you just do it all again. And so, so those, those are kind of the four words that, that stuck with me. It's like, it's long and I'm not in fantastic shape at all. You know, I guess by the end I was okay, but you know, it's just, it's a long, it's a long day's walk. I did about 25 to 35 kilometers a day. And it, for most of it, it was very lonely. The, the second half, I actually had quite a few friends that walked with me, you know, sometimes for a day, sometimes for half a day. There's one group out of Taichung. I think about 30 people walked with me for about an hour um, to, cool. to, from Morrison to the, the Huaming Blind School. And then another five went up almost to, to, to Fire Mountain there. So it was, it, yeah. So for parts of it, there were people with me, but other parts, you know, it was just me. It can be a very lonely, lonely and long journey. So what were, like five things that you definitely oh, yeah. had to have <laughs> on your wall. Uh, so again, this is, this is part of it, right? So I started with really good, my, my regular hiking boots. Mm-hmm. I had a, a really good backpack. I had a tent, you know, I had all sorts of stuff, a stool, blah, 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 all these things <laughs> that I was convinced I would need, you know, by the end of the first day, I called my wife because, you know, the distance you walk is about a half hour car ride, yeah. hard drive, right? It's about 30, <laughs> 25, 30, about 30 kilometers. You can do that in a half hour in a car. It's like, and <laughs> you got to come, like, I got to change out, like, super light. <laughs> oh, it's like, these boots are not going to work. You know, I, I, so I got like super lightweight shoes, just regular tennis shoes, threw half of the stuff out of my backpack in the car and said, I don't need any of this. And just, you know, down to three pairs, you know, three, three sets of clothes. And then, you know, kind of hoped I would find a place to wash them if I could, if they needed to be washed, which I guess would be every day. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I just, I just, that first, after that first day, I just got rid of half the stuff I thought I needed. And I, I think, again, that was another lesson for me, you know, half the stuff you don't need because it actually just slows you down. So I would say for me, the, the things is, is really good, lightweight shoes. I always had a ton of water on me because even in winter, it was just crazy yeah. how, how quickly you, you dehydrate. I had, I always had a sleeping bag because some of the places I slept in weren't necessarily the, the best rooms. <laughs> and then, yeah, so those three, I had my maps. And, and I had my phone, of course, for that. Yeah. And then probably the thing is, this sounds really corny and tacky, but I just knew I wasn't going to quit. And, and when I finished, yeah, I talked to several friends and even my son. Yeah, I told him, I was like, hey, I'm doing this. He goes, dad, have you ever talked to anybody who's done this? And, and he was like, you're going to die. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I was just convinced that I wasn't going to quit, even if it was going to be in a wheelchair and crutches. You know, and if I was going to have to hitchhike the whole way instead of instead of actually walking it. But, but that was something that I, I knew I wasn't going to quit. And then that really pushed me through a lot of this. So what's something that you packed that you were like, for sure you would need. And then you're like, I definitely don't need this at all. <laughs> a stool to sit on. <laughs> I, had a, I, I had a stool. I had like a little cooking thing, you know, because I was like, 
you know, and, and my tent is going to be all romantic and like, uh, <laughs> you know, like in, in a traditional, like, you know, me on the road and, and this kind of a thing. And uh, I was like, no, none of this. Wow. Like I had lunch at 7-Eleven most days because I was just too exhausted. You know, it was, and it was, it was so good. So, so a couple of friends of mine, you know, they gave me a, a one of those uh, seven, the, the yo-yo cards, seven oh, yeah. cards with money on it. And, you know, there are seven elevens everywhere and, and family marts. And so I would just use pool and clean and a good bathroom. And this idea of, of this idea of being totally self-reliant kind of went out the window really quickly too. Um, oh. I was like, no, like these stores exist for my convenience <laughs> and I will take full advantage of them because they're here for my convenience and for my, you know, to make my life a little bit easier. And so, so that was, that was at first I thought, yeah, that's not really what a real backpacker hiker does. And then I thought, no, that doesn't matter because, you know, we have to depend on other people. You know, yeah. there's, I mean, there's just, there's just so many parallels in this, from this walk that, that I draw to my own life. It's just. We, we, we have to be willing to not try to do it alone because yeah. we can't. We'll fail for sure. I guarantee you I would have the same thought as you did and pack so much stuff. And then I, that same thought where it's like, yeah, this is what backpackers and hikers do. And then the thought would cross my mind like two days later, I'm not a backpacker or hiker. <laughs> like I'm just going to walk. Like I'm not, this is not what I yeah. actually do. Yeah. So. <laughs> so what, what kind of so, it's a little bit it's a little bit humbling yeah. but it's really it's really helpful you know it's really helpful i mean i think i had coffee pack you know i had my yeah. own coffee and then all of this stuff it's like no 7-eleven 35 nt that's yeah. all that's all I and need. if you pay for two sometimes they'll let you get it at a different store <laughs> Well, with this card, people actually donated, like, I think I had 80 cups of coffee donated onto my account. People would go into a 7-Eleven and, and say, you know, put 30 cups of coffee on this account and give them my phone number. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you talked a little bit about, like, what your goal for walking around the island was mm -hmm. with kind of how you wanted to kind of get away. So right. Do you feel like you succeeded in that goal, I guess? I think I succeeded in getting away. I think I succeeded in, you know, having that, that time of, of focusing and refocusing. I think I succeeded in, in something that was unexpected and a bit of an adventure. I mean, I made it home, you know, after 33 days. And so that was a success. But, but I think the one area that I would say I missed you know, where, where I'd say, no, that maybe wasn't a success is that when I got back, you know, within a few days, I was right back into the frenzy and of activities and, and this yeah. and that. And so it was, it was like a timeout that was very beneficial for me, but I didn't put things into place that would carry over longer because when I got back, you know, the, the tyranny of the urgent hit me again. And I really, I really didn't put safeguards in place to protect myself from that tyranny of the urgent. And, yeah. and it's almost like some of the key lessons that I learned on my walk, I, I didn't necessarily implement again in my own life. And so that, that to me, I, I thought, yeah, I, I really, 
you know, when I do this again, I need to, I need to just be more intentional about that time of coming out of the walk um, and kind of getting back into the routines. You know, I got rid of so much stuff that I didn't need on the walk. But then when I got back, I felt like I picked up so much stuff that maybe I didn't really need to pick up again. And I think that sometimes, you know, in our line of work, this, this pressure to perform and pressure for results and, and, you know, needing to say that you're doing stuff, you know, a lot of times pressures that we just put on ourselves. And, and sometimes it's organizations that put that pressure on us, you know, but, but I think the, the end result is, is not necessarily what you want that end result to truly be. And so, you know, I, I plan on doing a few more walks around and across Taiwan, um, but that will be my, my thing. I think for me to learn is that I need to, you know, take those principles and apply them into my, 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 my normal non-walking life um, as well. So, so that's kind yeah. of a perfect segue to my, my yeah. next question. So, so I, I went on this mission trip to Mexico when I was a high school student. And so when we got yeah. back, it was a medical mission trip, but it was at an orphanage and the orphanage sustains itself by basically being a macadamia nut like tree farm. So instead of working in the, with like doctors and nurses and things like that in the medical side, me and several of my friends ended up digging trenches basically in the field in Mexico in concrete a week or two. And so when we got back, the guy that was in charge of the trip, he says that every time someone goes on a journey, that's a little bit different from their day-to-day life. It changes you. That experience changes you. And how, I guess, how did this experience change you? And um, I know you talked about that a little bit just a second ago. Mm -hmm. Are there ways that you would, are there things that you would have wished you'd have taken away looking back that you could have taken kind of differently and applied it or different things like that? No, it's kind of a hard. That's a good question. That's (laughs) that's a really good question. What would I do different or what will I do differently? Um, You know, you know, part of it, of the purpose of the trip was for me to spend a lot of time alone. And I think, I think I did that. But one of the really amazing parts of the trip was the parts that someone would walk with me. And uh, I think in hindsight, that was really meaningful, you know, that someone would walk with me, you know, that like there are different people who, who, who for different as much time as they had would just walk next to me. And, you know, when you're walking six, seven, eight hours a day, you don't talk the whole time. You know, you just, you just walk next to each other. And uh, I think that I didn't appreciate that enough. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that that's something, you know, this idea of, of someone walking this journey with you, we don't, you kind of take it for granted maybe, but I don't think I really appreciated that enough. I mean, of course it was a fun thing for them to do too, but but, you know, one friend in particular, he, he just told me, says, you know, I, I'm doing this because I just want to support you. You know, he didn't have the right shoes on and, and, and he just he just went went with me and, you know, had extreme blisters on his feet and was just like done. 
And he's like, oh, you know, I told him, it was like mid, 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 mid afternoon. I said, man, you can't go any further. He goes, no, man, I don't want to let you down. And I realized, wow, this is really like, he is really doing this to walk with me. And, you know, the, the, the power of that statement that someone would be that committed to just walk alongside me, you know, in hindsight is really, is really moving. It's really powerful. And I don't think I don't think I appreciated that enough. And I and I think that sometimes, you know, again, like coming back into normal non-walking life, I don't think we appreciate that enough. You know, that the people that just walk with us, we 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 sometimes, I mean, whether it's teammates or or just friends, you know, what 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 can I what can I get out of this or what purpose are they serving? You know, and I think sometimes we we miss we miss that. And maybe that's you know, a lot of people who do this kind of work are, are pretty driven and pretty independent. And I think we actually, and, and you have to be, you know, you have to be, because yeah. um, there are some hardships connected to this line of work. But, but I think we miss out on something really powerful when we don't let people walk with us or when we don't walk with people, you know. And, and it, it's interesting, and, and, I, and I hope nobody um, gets upset or offended by this, but but, you know, one of the one of the, the the thoughts I had as I was walking and people would walk with me, um, you know, I I I uh, trying to decide, decide if I should tell the story or not. Uh, I can't get it out. <laughs> you know, so, so I still I still had a heavy backpack on, even though I took a lot of the stuff out. And it was interesting that, you know, the different people I walked with, um, you know, not nobody offered to carry my backpack for me. And, and, and that's not, this, that, that's not a critical, that same, it isn't meant to be a criticism of that. Right. Yeah. And, and because it was actually really, it's really, it was, it was really meaningful and deep, a deep thought for me. It's like, you know, it's not their job to carry my backpack. You know, it like, I can't hand my daughter and all of her needs over to somebody else and say, okay, this is now your responsibility. Like, this is my backpack to carry, you know, and it was actually great you know, that, that they would just say, okay, you know, they didn't do it consciously either. I don't think, but they would just walk with me as I was carrying my load and, and not trying to take it off, not trying to do anything with it, but they would just walk with me because it is my load to carry. And there's nothing, nothing's going to change that. And I think that, 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 that's pretty powerful that someone would, you know, join into that suffering, you know, the word compassion is not something that I'm passionate about and I love doing. It's, you know, compassion is when I actually say, I will join into, like, I will co-suffer with you. And that's what the word compassion means. That I will go this journey and suffer with you. And, and I think a lot of times, you know, when we do mercy ministry or, or now the kids like to call it social justice ministry type things, I think it's wonderful yeah. stuff, but I wonder if we're, you know, instead of us trying to enter into the suffering with someone else, we're trying to pull them out of a suffering so that, that will make us feel a little bit better about the world that we live in. And I think that that's very, very dangerous because some of the greatest, some, some of the, 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 how should I say this? Some of the most glorifying times and experiences and situations and environments um, of, of the greatest faith are among those who are truly suffering. 
you know, and, and by removing them out of suffering, by removing ourselves out of suffering, I just wonder what we're missing out on. And I wonder if, if we're better served in, in mercy ministries or compassion ministries or social justice ministries to stop trying to pull people out of things and actually enter into the suffering with them. Now, of course, slavery, abuse, yeah. of course, that's not what I'm including in this, you know. Yeah. Um, but 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 I wonder, I wonder if that wouldn't be a more powerful, a more powerful image and sharing of the gospel is that Christ would come and co-suffer with us while he was here on this earth, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know. That's pretty deep and theological. I don't know if you want to put in there or not. No, I like, I like a lot of what Not the said. most popular viewpoint, you know? And of course, I'm not saying stay in abusive relationships, don't do anything yeah. about drugs, don't do anything about child slavery, prostitution. Of course, I'm not saying that. Yeah. Um, no, so. no, I... I think people understand what you mean. Um, I think for me, a lot of what you talked about initially when you're talking about people walking with you and you really appreciating that after the fact, maybe not in the moment, um, reminded me of the time when um, one of our, our mutual friends, Ryan, before they left, before they actually knew they were leaving, I guess a month, maybe a month and a half before they moved from Taiwan back to the U.S., um, he like called me one morning. He was like, Hey, what are you doing? I was like, nothing right now. What do you do? What do you want? He's like, you want to go to lunch and then go on a walk? I was like, sure. And so we ended up walking Well, we went to lunch and then grabbed coffee and we walked for I think six or seven hours. And I mean, we had known each other for two years at that point, hung out all the time, but I think that's probably the time that I appreciate the most hanging out like yeah. with just me and Ryan just walking, didn't really have a plan to walk anywhere, just walking towards just yeah. around Taiwan and just talking. And I think, yeah, I think that's not something in the moment that I appreciated as much. I thought it was fun, but um, I think more after the fact, I appreciate it now. Yeah. We miss, we miss that when we're so driven by our own goals and agendas. Yeah. I think, I think missionaries, a lot of times, lose that like they leave the states where they have this really great community either at their church or at their bible college or wherever built up and then they move overseas and they're like well i just won't worry about community anymore because my job is not to have a community it's to share the gospel and it's like no well, you need community too <laughs> like, yeah. but you need to build relationships we're communal people we we need these things and i think a lot of times that kind of gets lost that people do need community they do need home groups or whatever you want to call it just to help each other you know get through suffering or just to listen when someone wants yeah. to talk i guess my last question yeah you've talked about it a little bit what's your highest high for your walk and what's your your lowest low <laughs> so my my two lows i'll share two was lying on my bed in Fonggang, which is a town fairly far south in, in Pingdong County. That day, I had only been able to walk about 20 kilometers because I was going so slow because my leg, my shin was hurting so badly. And just lying there in bed and just not being able to sleep and just like hurting, 
you know, called my wife and I was in excruciating pain. And, uh, you know, I thought I had a stress fracture or whatever. And, uh, and uh, just not being able to fall asleep and, you know, knowing the next morning that if it's not better, I don't know what to do. And I had like so many more kilometers before I could get to a hospital and, and all of the, I mean, there's a little clinic there, of course, and, and just lying there and just saying, man, I'm done. This is a stupid idea to start with. You know, I walked across the Southern cross Island. That's already a good enough achievement. Just quit. You know, and then that later that night or early, early in the morning, that's when I decided, no, I'm going to go, you know, even if it's on crutches and hitchhiking, like I'm going to finish this thing. The second low was probably um, going over this one mountain. Um, you know, I came, I came out of like Nangang area in Taipei mm-hmm. and I was walking the Jiaoxi um, and, uh, you know, it, there's so many, you know, I went to Pingling and then over to Jiaoxi, um, kind of like on that highway, part of it was highway nine. Um, and it just, I, I, I was convinced that the next top was the top, you know, <laughs> and it was just like, that's it. This is it. And then you get to the top and there's a turn and it's like another another ways you know or you're going downhill for two three four kilometers and you're like oh cool we're finally headed downhill and and it was just so discouraging for me to just that road never ended you know from pingling to jiaoxi um and then you know of i mean it was a miracle right walking in january and february and i had um a grant maybe a, a total of four hours of rain Wow. And, and, you know, it was unbelievable how little rain I had. But, you know, right at the top, when you take this old Aboriginal trail, um, I think it was the Palma Trail from from right at the top above uh, Ilan, um, you know, where Highway 9 has all these mm-hmm. hairpins going down to where the tunnel comes out. If you're driving the tunnel, like right at the top, there's a road, an old Aboriginal trail that, that cuts off um, to get to Jiaoxi, behind Jiaoxi a little bit. And, uh, you know, then it started raining. So I've had probably the worst, one of the worst days of my walk. And then it started raining and just thinking, <laughs> this is stupid. And of course, you know, I got rid of a lot of my gear because it was too heavy. And all I had was one of those little 7-Eleven 50 NT trash bag raincoats. I was completely drenched in sweat because I was basically walking in my own sauna. Yeah. Um, Cause there's absolutely no air that goes through those trash bags. And, you know, it's raining, I'm wet from the outside, I'm completely drenched from the inside. The trail is absolutely beautiful, but I'm just done, you know. And I remember getting down into that, you know, I went to a family mart and I was just dripping, you know, just dripping, dripping, dripping and sitting down and saying, this is stupid. But the good thing was that was my start heading south, you know, heading back home again. And so I was very happy about that. So. And a good friend let me stay in their room in Jiaoxi. That was in one of those hot springs hotels. They rented a, oh, I think wow. they from lease or own a room in, in one of those hot spring hotels. And it was just amazing to just sit. <laughs> hot spring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Relax those muscles after yeah. walking. And then high, probably the highest 
Uh, the, the, I'll tell you a mini high, which was when I made it to the West Coast just as the sun was setting. And just the beauty of that was stunning. Another mini high was, you know, spending time with friends who walked a good bit with me. But probably the, the highest of the highs was from south of Hualien. Um, it took me about, I think it took me six days to walk Hualien to Taidong. And the last three days, my youngest daughter joined me for like the last 90 kilometers, 89 kilometers. Well, that's cool. And, uh, so she, she, um, she's 16. And uh, for me, like three days on the road with her was just unbelievable. It was such a cool experience. She's an amazing kid. And so for her, for her to, you know, I mean, who wants to walk 30 kilometers a day when they're 16 years old with their dad? <laughs> and so we just, it, it was, it was hard. It was really hard because I was exhausted by then and she was just starting. Full of energy. <laughs> and, and yeah, but 30 kilometers a day will knock it out of you pretty quickly. Yeah. A good yeah. bit of that, we didn't want to walk the main highway because of the traffic. So we went kind of this mountainous road and but it was super cool because like on that mountainous road like when you then we we're in the valley um, we were on the range the coastal range i don't know how familiar you are with with the east coast but we're on the coastal range but on the valley the rift valley side of it you know you just get to a certain point and like you get your first glimpse of taidong again and you know it was like another three hours walk yeah um, but it was just it was just the coolest thing to walk with my daughter and like have that first glimpse glimpse of, of Taidong. So, so this is not Matea, this is my other daughter, Megan, yeah. that walked with me. And so um, that was really, really cool. So I guess the final question I have for you, I know you talked yeah. about a little bit about going on some more walks yeah. across the island. Would yeah. you ever walk around the island again? Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Well, guys, that's it for this week big thanks to our guest, Uwe Maurer. Thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing all about your walk around Taiwan. We'll be having Uwe back on the podcast again soon just to discuss Taiwan Sunshine. I'd also like to thank Dale, our editor, Nelson, our producer, as well as you, the listener. We couldn't do this without you. If you get a second, please share, subscribe, rate, and review. may not seem like much, but every little bit helps more people hear what missionaries are up to in East Asia. If you have a question or would like to reach out, feel free to contact us at tmfccg at gmail.com. We'll be back in two more weeks. Until then, bye.